This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. It is a Thursday drive. And here's an important FYI for you. A save the date, if you will. October 8th, 2022, Texas A&M, Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, might be worth bookmarking. No reason. I listened to every word Nick Saban said last night. Then I watched as Jimbo Fisher lost it at his press conference at around 11 a.m. this morning. And what's amazing to me today is just how many people are siding with Jimbo. I had to turn off Twitter. I had to turn off the radio. I couldn't believe it, how people could hear how unhinged Jimbo was and decide that he was right in this conversation. Right in this spat that turned ugly. Now, I don't know if anybody is right, but I feel pretty confident in saying that Jimbo was wrong. Not Nick Saban. Nick wasn't complaining about A&M. This was not personal between Nick and Jimbo. This wasn't about Alabama losing to A&M. Or even losing recruits. I don't think. All that's being talked about today. What caused this firestorm from Jimbo is a 15 second clip in the middle, sandwiched in the middle of a seven-minute-long synopsis of the entire issue on NIL that, obviously, Jimbo took exception to. Let's listen to that. We were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future Because more and more people are doing it. When I hear Nick say that, I don't hear somebody that's worried about his place in the power dynamic. Nick Saban feels threatened by Texas A&M. No, I hear a coach saying, we do pretty well. The way that things are, we do pretty well as is. The gap's only going to widen if we recruit the way that Texas A&M's recruiting. A&M only had a few five-star players the last few years. And after an 8-4 and four season, they have the best college football class ever with seven five-stars? Okay. Nick Saban's right. And there isn't a coach in college football that I think has the amount of equity built he could say a thing like Nick Saban said here that I think needs to be said. If you want to have any type of real change in college football, to me, it sounded like a warning from Nick to say, if I have to recruit this way, I will, but I don't think you will like college football and the lack of parity, what it will look like if we decide to go down this this path. So that was Nick's way of handling things. He wasn't complaining about A&M. He was complaining about an issue and addressing its concerns with NIL. The way that Jimbo responded was by making it personal. It was 
all pointed attacks at Nick. He wouldn't even say Nick Saban's name. He said he should be hit physically. He wouldn't take a call from Nick. Jimbo acted like a child who was playing the game of telephone for the first time. I don't even think he watched what Nick said, the full seven minutes of context. Because how else can you explain Jimbo dramatically mischaracterizing Nick's comments the way that he did today? It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. Hey, they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. We bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top. There it is. Oh, yeah. He's a narcissist. That's what this is about. Oh, he's mad that he's not getting his way. Alabama going to the national title game this past year. Probably going to be the preseason number one team. Yes, that's what Nick Saban's doing here. He's not getting his way. That's what he's upset about. And I'm sorry, did I miss the memo where Nick Saban was attacking 17-year-olds? We played the clip for you. At what point did he bring up at all criticizing the kids? On the front end of the seven-minute comments, he said, let me start by saying this is good for the players. But I don't know if it's good for the sport having players recruited by offering them cash. He doesn't think that's the right thing to do, and I agree with him. And I don't think Nick Saban accused Jimbo of breaking Texas state law either. That is a dramatic mischaracterization of Nick's comments. But it sounded like a denial, right? He said, well, we haven't broken any rule. We haven't done anything wrong. Okay. You have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to say, we did not buy any players. I don't know how he defines buying players. That might be when we get into semantics, is a collective, using a collective to recruit, buying a player, air quotes. I don't know how Jimbo would define that. But Jimbo had no interest in being specific. See, Another reason why I side with Nick, in the seven-minute comment, he was specific about everything. He told us exactly how they use the collectives. That they divvy everything out evenly so there aren't issues in the locker room. And that there were exactly 25 players that benefited from NIL opportunities that amounted to combined $3 million across his team. Those are specifics. His criticism of Jimbo was specific. And it wasn't personal with just Texas A&M. He brought up Jackson State and Miami, things that were reported that seemed to be violations of NCAA rule that's not being enforced. He criticized Jimbo for breaking NCAA rules knowing damn well that the NCAA is not going to enforce it out of fear of litigation. Jimbo, on the other hand, had no interest in being specific. So this is what happened the one time a reporter tried to to, to pin him down on, did you pay athletes? And I just wanted to just put it point blank. So no players in your, you're saying that no players in the state. There's no law laws of anything we ever promised done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas. And it's insulting to say a 17-year-old and his family broke laws. No. Oh! 
But the accusation wasn't that you broke state law. No one's saying you're breaking state law. That's not the standard. You're breaking NCAA rules. So notice what happened there. He wouldn't even let him get the full question out because he doesn't want to be pinned down because he knows he's offering players money. Translation, yes. Yes, we're paying players. When he says that we're not breaking Texas state law. Well, no. Are you breaking NCAA rules? That's the question that needs to be asked. I was told a long time ago. In a debate, whoever makes it personal, they're the one in the wrong, generally. Especially when that person's lying. Like Jimbo lied and mischaracterizing Nick's comments the way that he did. Emotional, nonspecific, making it personal. I, Jimbo Fisher was wrong. I don't know if Nick Saban was right, but I know Jimbo was wrong. Let's go to Kyle, the Amazon driver, who wants in on this. Kyle, I'm not going to cape for Saban completely, even though I do think he makes a lot of good points. But I do think Jimbo was wrong the way that he approached this. Do you? I think that everybody's in the wrong personally. But I'm coming at this thing from a different perspective. More of a casual fan that really doesn't care either which way it goes. I think it's just hilarious that the whole thing is going up in flames right now anyway. (laughs) But what we have right now, Josh Graham, and I'm going to put it to you like this as a casual fan that I am. What we have right now is a classic case of who broke the lamp. Okay, you got daddy coming to Nick and saying, hey, you quit spending so much money on Fortnite. It's costing us a lot of money. Nick Saban goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Well, well, what about what about Jimbo over here? He snuck out. He he broke the lamp. He broke the lamp and cost you money. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Deion Sanders helped him. That's what you got. (laughs) That's what you got going on right now. Okay, it's just going back and forth. And meanwhile, Prime's just over there like, bro, I'm just trying to help a brother out, dog. I don't know what you mean. But here's the thing, because Will Dalton brought up the whole, you know, you guys are bringing up the the discomfort they're in or how they're becoming agitated with this question. I argue that the biggest tale is actually in Nick Saban. Because if I come to somebody and I say, hey, I have a question about you and your program. If anywhere in that answer you start dropping dimes and naming names of other people, to me that's the most basic tale of, wait a minute, we need to check this guy out. Right? I buy that. Thank you for the contact. Uh, oh, sorry, what else do you oh, got? I'm sorry, one more thing. And then on the other side, to your point about my man Jimbo being agitated about it, well, I just chalk it up to, man, my man was, was, was peeved off and – when you're mad, you say anything, but once again, he shouldn't have been on the stand like that because you never know what a foul mouth will say at that point. That's a, that You and I are in agreement on that. I appreciate Absolutely. the call, uh, Kyle. And you're right. Generally, if you're firing shots at people, it's because you are either threatened by them, you're giving them credence in doing so. I used to tell people that in advertising, if I noticed that a business fired shots at their competitors – I knew to go to the business that was having shots fired at them because the other side felt threatened by them. That used to happen with a sub shop. You know, I used to see Quiznos with fire shots at Jersey Mike's. So guess where I went? With the Jersey Mike's. <laughs> you know, that's you're telling me where I should go when you do that thing. We'll get to a couple more of these. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro. Mark, where do you stand on Jimbo versus Dabo? Or not Dabo, but uh, Nick Saban. 
Well, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm really on the side of the last caller. Like, I, I think all of these guys, I mean, he mentioned narcissists being narcissistic. Every single big-time college coach is has some narcissism on some level. They want control of everything. And, I, I mean, what did Nick Saban think was going to happen when he literally brought, like you just mentioned, he brought up specific programs and or players. I don't think he cares. I don't think he gives two bleeps. Yeah, but yeah, but then then why did he give? Why did you, you think Jimbo Fisher is in the wrong here just because he was emotional? They're college coaches, so they're going to be no, 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 no. I'm not mad if you're emotional. What I'm mad about, Mark, is if you're going to call somebody a cheat, tell me why. Nick Saban was because specific. Hold one are- sec. Hold one sec. I'll give you a chance. But the Nick Saban, he said specifically why he felt he was upset about Jimbo Fisher and what's happening in college football. And when the question was put straight to Jimbo, he gave us a bunch of BS about Texas state law, which Nick didn't bring up at all. So if Jimbo's going to do the thing where you're firing back and you're emotional, okay, if you're coming at the king, come correct, because you got background info. You work with the guy. Give us specific examples if you're really wanting to play this game. Yeah, see, that's that's where I feel like you're getting into semantics, and that's great. If you were a lawyer or a litigator, I'd want you defending me. That's perfect. Let's let's talk about the specifics. This is just court of public opinion. Nick Saban is lying to people's faces with specifics, and you're gonna see, he's virtue signaling. What did Nick Saban lie about? What did Nick Saban lie about? Everything he says. You're trying to tell me that they haven't paid for one player. That is the biggest joke I've ever heard in my Let life. Let me ask you: Did you watch oh, the full gonna, seven minutes? Did you watch Saban's full seven? Minutes? I watched the whole entire thing. He said we haven't, we have, we have never, we have never paid for a player. He said that specifically. You know about specifics? Nick Saban is full of you know what because he is one hundred percent has been a shady recruiter his entire college career. And guess what? They get they get cash because they're Alabama. That's fantastic. But you can't sit there and tell say a program in your conference paid for everybody on their team and then. Act as if you've never done it. That is the biggest joke in the world. You can talk about being emotional, but just because someone was smoother in the debate doesn't mean that they're right. He's 100% wrong. Yeah. At least we could agree that Nick was smoother. I appreciate the call, Mark. Let's go to Barrick. One more here in Winston-Salem. Barrick, where do you stand? Hello? Hey, Barrick. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Going great. What do you think about this entire deal? Well, I, I totally disagree with your last caller, and I completely agree with you. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that Nick Saban just basically called out what is being done. That's all. And he said, if we need to, we need to start addressing it in this way, we will. So, and if Nick Saban was cheating, though, like to Mark's point in the last call, then Jimbo Fisher pointed out, you were there behind the scenes. How about you point out? what's happening, and he wouldn't even say Nick Saban by name, let alone accuse him of anything. He just spoke in a bunch of really vague platitudes. Exactly, and it, and, and Nick Saban did not speak that way. He wasn't even speaking directly at Texas A&M, and to be quite honest, it's probably there in black and white that they did actually uh, you know, uh, bring these guys in on the NIL deals well, Nick Saban was was widely open when uh, you know his players took advantage of the NIL deals. It's it's but it just re, just goes back to the fact that that's how Texas A&M got their guys, 
And I do not believe for one minute that it was any kind of attack on Jimbo Fisher. And maybe Jimbo Fisher's feeling, you know, a little bit of heat with that big, fat, huge, guaranteed contract, and he's yet to win any kind of a championship. Yeah, Barrick, I'm with you, and I strongly suggest you watch the entire seven minutes of what Saban said because he talked about how they use collectives. And he talked about how they spread it out amongst the entire team so there's no problems in the locker room and how – Specifically, 25 guys benefited from NIL, combined $3 million. He was clear in the entire deal with how they run things. So if you think he's lying, okay. But he's at least being specific while Jimbo's being vague. Before we get to the five things at five. What's up? What's up? What none of you wants to admit is that the kid is good. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. In 15 minutes, Will Dalton will share his thoughts on the movie Bull Durham, which he watched for the first time earlier today. I'm glad we were able to make that happen. Right now, though, John Dell joins the show. Winston-Salem Journal, friend of the show. I don't usually attach that tag because I feel like radio shows say that loosely, but nah, John Dell. Friend of the show on Twitter at John Dell WSJ. You got a chance to watch Tiger in rounds three and four in Augusta and saw how much he labored through it, shooting 12 over for those two rounds. Today he's at plus four after one. He's using that club as a cane, it seems, it seems on many of the holes just to get around. It looked like he was clearly limping at points. I'll put it to you straight. Should Tiger be playing right now? Well, Josh, uh, thanks for having me on, by the way. And uh, we don't have a natural disaster just yet. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, that's a, a line from Bull Durham. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it's, uh, you know, it's perplexing because, you know, we all want to see him play. You know, I, I don't, like I said before during the Masters, I would take Tiger in a cart between shots if it let him swing the club. So, we're kind of all caught in the, in the middle of, yeah, do you want to see him play or do you want to see him play like this? And so I, I just think he is laboring. Should he be playing? Probably not. But he's too competitive to not play, uh, as you well know. So I think he's just going to try and, uh, you know, try and get through it like, like he did, the, you know, the third and fourth round of the Masters where it was, it was a struggle. How much does the PGA Tour need a win this week when you consider Phil's not there, you got the book out, there's the live golf situation, which everybody's talking about. It's a good sign when you got a guy like Rory McIlroy at the top of your leaderboard, but how much does golf need a good week this week? Well, they do. Um, technically, the PGA of America runs the PGA Championship, so the PGA Tour doesn't have much to do with the PGA Championship other than it has most of its guys you know, on tour that play in this. And this this is one of the best fields that they have in any tournament. So even without Phil, it's still the best field you'll have all year. And they do need a good winner. And I think, you know, with all the stuff circling with, with Phil being absent and all that, it, it would, you know, Rory winning would be big. Uh, Brooks Kepka, keep an eye on him, even though he's just getting started. He's won two of these in the last four years. So that's a guy to kind of watch. If he wins, that's good for the tour. So it, it does need to kind of shine the light on the golf instead of everything else that's around it. What do you like about Will Zalatoris' game 
when you see this guy time in and time out shooting low in majors today, four under par, one back of the lead. He's such a good ball striker. I mean, he just he just gets the club on the ball right where it's supposed to be, and that that's going to bode well. If he could putt, you know, decently even, I think he's got a chance to win his first major. And there's been a litany of guys that have won their first major at the PGA. So, I mean, there's there's no better ball striker, I think, on the PGA Tour. You know, there's three or four guys that are up there, and Will is right there. So if he can continue – to, you know, to, to hit his irons the way he's been doing it for the last couple of years, then I, I expect to see him on Sunday at the, at the leaderboard. John Dell with us here from the Winston-Salem Journal. See, you know how big racing is around here. So there are a lot of folks who see what's happening with Live Golf and the split that's happening between the PGA Tour and Live. Probably think about what happened to IndyCar, how things split not too long ago, and how that hurt that particular sport. What's your reaction to live golf as they try to get this thing off the ground and there seems to be a headline every day, either good or bad for that particular uh, league today, the bad news being that one of their top business managers left in the wake of Greg Norman's latest comments? Well, you know, I kind of equate it to – I almost kind of go back to to the NFL that, that rules all, that is this the XFL, this live golf, or is it the real deal, or is it the AFC and the NFC? You know, it's just, it, it's it's a big thing. It's a big deal. They got a lot of money. Um, you know, I, I've always been a big fan of the PGA Tour. Will I watch this other tournament? Well, depends who's in the league, you know. I mean, I, I just think it's right now there's still so many questions to be answered. The bottom line is the PGA Tour isn't letting these guys play over there. So, you know, where does it go from there? Um, and, and I just think if if they can somehow find an arrangement that works, then maybe they can coincide. But I just don't see it happening with all the he said, he said, throwing across the uh, across the ocean. On the way out, are strikeouts fascist? <laughs> That's another good line. That's another good line. I, I expect Will to have all these good lines memorized after he's seen, his, <laughs> seen Bull Durham. No doubt. John, I hope to see you sometime soon. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us today. Sounds good. You guys have a good rest of the week. Yeah, he's weird. Yeah, I get it. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I'm going to let you go ISO. Let's spread it out. Get the ball to the right side of the floor. Will Dalton grew up playing baseball. Played baseball collegiately. Has never seen the movie Bull Durham. Every week, we're going to have young Will watch a movie that he probably should have already seen. And he's going to tell us what he thinks about those movies. Last week it was Anchorman and the debut of this segment. Today it is Bull Durham at the movies. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine! But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At the Movies with Will Dalton. And we'll get to the Jimbo Fisher comments. 
in just a bit. There's more that we haven't gotten to yet. And we have big breaking news in the NBA. Al Horford, kind of like Charlie McAvoy, as we joke in the Canes Bruin series. In a rapid reversal, went from doubtful to available, cleared from health and safety protocols. Marcus Smart is going to return tonight as well for the Celtics. There you go. Will Dalton, what did you like? Give me one thing you like about Bull Durham. I actually have a couple of things I like about it. Well, I want one. Okay, you'll get one. Uh, I like the fact that I like the fact that there's really good sports in this movie. This is true. It's a hang-up I had about winning time on HBO. The basketball scenes are ridiculous. In basketball movies and shows and things, that's the sport that stands out that has really bad sports. Horrific. There was the Disney movie. I forget which one it was where homegirl traveled maybe two or three times before dishing it out and the defense is comically bad. In Bull Durham, it's pretty realistic. It seems like someone who loves baseball and the intricacies of it wrote these characters and Kevin Costner infamously played baseball, loves baseball, understands baseball, and that came through in the uh, Crash Davis character. Well, and and that's why I put this up with Major League, because Major League had great baseball, I thought. I mean, it's it's been a little while since I've seen it, so maybe I'm off on that, but if I recall, it had pretty solid baseball. Not so much. Not so much. Not compared to this Not like this. Not like this. The, you know, monologues, the internal, you know, stream of consciousness, being at the plate, stepping out, what's going through a hitter's head. You've been there. Seems to be pretty accurate. Yeah, and that's another thing I have on my list here of things that I liked was the realistic nature of baseball in this movie like the mental like that's the fabric of crash and nuke's relationship is the fact that nuke has a major league arm but as soon as he gets in that dome of his which is a real thing in real baseball i've seen it all my life like you don't know where it's going no what didn't you like all these movies we're picking are good movies you got to be critical about. I, one I, of these times i want you to have the courage to step out and say i didn't like this movie one of these times. Oh, the I will. I mean, picked. it's it's early yet. It is early. Anchorman you, was tough. What did you like? What didn't you like in Boulder? It's tough because there's so much I like. But the little love triangle between Susan Sarandon, Nuke, Annie was her name, I believe. That's right. Where she only dates ball players, a ball player, and it's usually the best baseball player because she only dates them for a year and they always get called up, hence why she only dates them for a year. This is the right answer, Will. This would never work. Oh, I think it would work, but I think it's the right answer because Susan Sarandon is not believable as the super attractive woman that's luring these young baseball players. I don't think Nuke would want anything to do with Susan Sarandon's character in real life. You don't think? If you have a million-dollar arm. Oh, yeah. You ain't going for that. Right. No. That's that's not what you're wanting to do at all. You'd be like Crash originally where he's like, I ain't trying out for this. That's right. That was one of my favorite parts, too. It's believable Crash and Sarandon. It is not believable that Tim Robbins' character would go after Sarandon. 
that doesn't make sense at all. And it still doesn't. All right. Give me your favorite quote, and we'll wrap this thing up. All right. Favorite quote. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. <laughs> like, if I was a pitcher, and a catcher came up to me and said that, and, and that's one of the main things as a catcher you need to be able to do is to crack your pitcher up, kind of mm-hmm. going back to the get-out-of-your-head thing. Like, you need to be able to, like, get get out. Like, and just say off-the-wall stuff. Like, I've seen this in real Strikeouts life. Strikeouts are fascist. They're, fi- they're fascist, seriously. They don't, yeah. No love for the rest of the infield or the outfield getting involved in the fray. Yeah. Fascist. I did like the bar scene or the pool hall scene where... You can't hit water if you fall out of a boat or yeah. at the end where they swing at each other. I don't I don't remember the whole quote, but when he t- was talking about a, a ground ball with eyes to get you that one more hit that you need to play for the yeah. Yankees or play in Yankee Stadium or whatever it was. I think the first words I ever spoke on this show, we did a bit where I did some, re- in an effort to tell people who I am, introduced myself to the triad four years ago. I did some version of the speech at the end of Bull Durham. Oh, yeah? I believe in gifts on Christmas morning, not the night before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was some version of that. And wet kisses. That's right. All right. Grade it. Zero to 100. Bull Durham, 1988. Let me give it a 97%. Higher than well, I'm a baseball guy, and okay. this is a great baseball movie. It is my favorite so. sports movie. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 82%. Okay. Probably a little more critical than I was. And that's been At The Movies with Will Dalton. Jimbo Fisher, how did they let him go to the podium like he did today? A&M needed to keep him away because he didn't didn't do himself any favors. He, it's amazing how much self-awareness he lacked. Talking about, no, we don't buy players. We don't buy anybody. When he himself was bought. Here's the biggest contract at the time in the history of college football to pull you away from FSU. Jimbo Fisher. He refused to call Nick Saban. You know, actually, let's get to this clip first. He refused to take Nick Saban's phone calls. He was asked if he had contact with Nick today. This is how that exchange sounded. Had any contact with Nick since... uh... Oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to... He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted to... you got all the advantages? Uh It's easy. (laughs) Such a child. We're done. You hear that, Mom? You grounded me. I heard what you said. I didn't like it. We're done. I hate you. Don't call me. I'm going to stay in my room forever. I've had immature girls tell me things like that before. Yeah. I'm never speaking to you again. Never. Week later. Hey. (laughs) I don't know what that's like. Usually if they go that far, you don't 
hear from them again, and that's probably a good thing. Next clip. Jimbo Fisher would not even say Nick's name during this press conference. There was one point where he even said, Nick Saban thinks he's God. Listen. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. Yeah, find out what God did. Find out what God did to get his deal. He thinks he's the shark. He's so mad. It might have been smart for somebody at A&M to say, let's take a 20. Can we take a 20? Like, there's a reason why you have the cool-off period after games. So that way, you're not in this spot where it seemed like a bad game of telephone, where he is told, essentially, what Saban said. He probably saw the 20-second clip and didn't listen to the rest of the seven minutes, including the part where he told donors, don't give money to kids because I don't want you to get mad at me and then not give money to the school when that kid doesn't play and he transfers. That's something that Nick actually said. There was even a point where Jimbo Fisher said Nick Saban should be hit. Listen. Listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You can, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. So I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Tell you that. How else can you read that other than someone should hit Nick Saban in the head? My dad used to hit me in the head. If you start calling people a cheat, maybe someone should hit him in the head. It's unbelievable. Jimbo Fisher acting like a child today. I can't wait to see the SEC fan base that's upset that Nick didn't bring their name up. Some are saying Nick's threatened by a and I'm waiting to hear from Tennessee fans saying, you know what, we, we got some good recruits too. You don't think we're paying them? Do you not hear about the McDonald's bag story? Jeremy Pruitt, it's what he did. SEC fans are crazy, man. Crazy. And the coaches are crazy. And this is great for our business. It is. It's awesome when you have... A guy making $7.5 million a year, firing off with a guy he used to work with, maybe the greatest college football coach ever, who's making $9.5 million a year, and they got to play each other later this season. That's good for us. And elsewhere in the league, Lane Kiffin, who used to work for Saban as well, when the press conference went live, he quote tweeted the link and posted a, a popcorn emoji. That guy's also in the conference. And Mike Leach is in this conference. I'm surprised we haven't heard from him yet. It's unbelievable. I can make a great reality show about the SEC. Begin simulation. Initiate scenario. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. This is great. Paul Feinbaum's apparently called for a public reprimand of Nick Saban earlier today on his show 
So I see a screenshot. You have like the Twitter feed that's put on the air on SEC Network, people responding to the things that Paul is saying. And somebody tweeted in in all caps, Public reprimand ain't played nobody, Paul! Fantastic stuff. Darren Vaught now joins the show. You know him from USA Baseball. You know him from his work with High Point as well. You also know him as being a Super Carolina Hurricanes fan, as am I. My read on last night, Darren, was great teams need to steal wins sometimes. You need to have that tool in your bag when the margin is so small between winning and losing. Five of the eight series of the first round went to game sevens. Two of those went to overtime. And this is the first time the Canes didn't score the first goal and they found a way to win. In fact, when they had the first goal scored on them, not only have they lost, they've lost big. So last night, after playing a terrible first period, and I'd even argue three-quarters of the game, they weren't even really that good. The Canes, they tightened up. They went to their first overtime game in these playoffs, and they dominated play in that playoffs and or in overtime, won the game with Ian Cole scoring it, and Ante Ranta appears. He wasn't just good for a backup last night. He was great for any standard. He, he seems to have locked down the net, too. So I feel really good about the Canes in this series. Yeah, it to me, it was interesting in that it took the Canes totally botching two periods to, just to get our first really close game. Exactly. Because with the Boston series, it was okay, the home team's going to dominate and be comfortably up for most of the game. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I view this early on in this series a lot like I did Boston, but in in sort of a different way. I mean, last night the Canes turned it on for a short bit, but that's all they needed to get the win. And I think it's because they're they're a superior team. And you know, if they if they play the way they did in the third and and those first few minutes of overtime for a series, I said the same thing about Boston, and it went seven games. But like they sh- yeah. they should win this series. I buy that. Darren Vaught, we got this clip here from NHL Network last night. I don't know who this analyst was, but apparently he was on the inaugural Carolina Hurricanes team in 97 that played in Greensboro. Or did they play in Greensboro? I have a a little Carolina Hurricanes folklore for you. I was part of the first ever Carolina Hurricanes team uh, back in the late 90s. We played our home games. The rink wasn't ready yet. 90 miles to the west in Greenville, uh, North Carolina. He's right about 90 miles (laughs) away and 90 miles to the west. Wrong city, though. You've See, Will Dalton told me, he hasn't spent a lot of time in Greenville. He'd never been to Sup Dogs, for example. So I'm just trying to picture. If the Carolina Hurricanes were an NHL franchise based in Greenville, America, where I went to school, what would happen when Canadian teams like the Maple Leafs or the Canadians or Don Cherry, if he was still covering hockey, how would they react? the first time they check into a hotel in Greenville, America, and get set to go to the rink, which I assume is going to be a Minji's Coliseum in this instance. Foo, okay. I thought you were going to go the, the vice versa there, and like, how are they going to be received by 
uh, perhaps Greenville locals, uh, was not looking forward to answering that question. So I'm glad you went the other way with that. Um, Greenville no, locals I mean, it, are fine. Yeah, the it would locals. be different. It would be different. Um, it depends. It, everybody's got their their weird half of sure. Movies, yeah, so. no doubt. So um, I, I just imagine that like when they go out and they're expecting certain things and you know NHL cities, the bigger cities, they they might be surprised that there aren't as plentiful of options available in the college town of Greenville, America. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think there probably was an element of that in Greensboro for the one year. Um, sure. it, it's just not as, it's a little bit more of a sprawling city. Um, not as concentrated, right? Whereas now you think of a lot of hockey arenas, usually multi-purposed, right? They house NBA teams or, or whatever also, they're they're more downtown and it's you're in the middle of the city people teams might have a similar feeling about playing the canes now in raleigh because pnc is is sort of on its own there separate from from downtown whereas i mean you think like even even columbus you know the arena that the blue jackets play in it's i mean it's downtown right so uh yeah now greenville would have been interesting for even even if just for a year Let's get to baseball before we get to unusual questions. I'm an O's fan. You know that. You've tried to talk me into the O's being a good baseball team, and that's – Are they back in last place again? They for, they had a while there where the Red Sox were below them. I don't know the standings currently. I appreciated the fact that <laughs> the O's blew a lead against the Yankees today, but in the bottom of the ninth hit a three-run bomb to close things out. Nine to six. I enjoyed that. So the Yankees now have double digit losses. I'm about it. So I don't think we're in last place. I could be I could be wrong on that. The Red Sox, your Red Sox, not having a banner year. The O's are in last place. But I'm gonna see the O's play the Red Sox in about a week. Excited about that. But that's not what I want to ask you about. So Camden Yards, that is one of the best ballparks in Major League Baseball. I know that because a lot of ballparks fashioned themselves to be like Camden Yards after it was built over 30 years ago or so. Yet, they did a thing that other parks have done and shifted the dimensions a bit this year. And you're not going to believe this, Darren, but Aaron Judge and other hitters don't like it. They don't like (laughs) the fact it's more pitcher-friendly. The way that this is the big slam from one Aaron Judge, it's like... A create a park. That's the way they described it. And then Trey Mancini threw the park under the bus. Said, nobody likes it. None of the hitters like it. Which is fine, by the way. It's fine to have some pitchers parks. I think we need more pitchers parks, personally. Which you're not going to see anyone have a platform for. It's So, uh, to, to give it context, the left field section there was backed up to about 380 feet right? I mean, it's deep. It is back there. Uh, The first, I believe the first home run that was hit over that wall occurred earlier today. Giancarlo Stanton put one over Mm -hmm. in the game that you were talking about. I think that's the first one that's cleared that wall. Um. My, I don't I don't mind it. I think it's ugly and it's not the Camden Yards I I know. 
but like think about Josh if they had made it that way the whole time then it would just be a quirk it would be like a thing like think of, the Red Sox in your same division have a 37 foot wall in left field that is wider than the section you're talking about that goes too deep I mean it's not like there aren't tricky dimensions in other parks. I think it's just the change aspect that people have an issue with. Baseball fans right? have issues with change? <laughs> right. Crazy. Who would have, who would have thought? <laughs> uh, Will Dalton earlier today watched Bull Durham for the first time. And for like three or four times today, he's brought up the strikeouts or fascist line. He loves that. <laughs> strikeouts are fascist. Yeah. Where does... Bull Durham rank on your baseball movie power rankings, Darren? Uh, I, I think it's tops. It, it It's it number one and, for me. It and Major League are like 1A, 1B. Really? Major League yeah. over Field of Dreams or Moneyball? Field of Dreams is overrated. Moneyball, I like a lot. It's just it doesn't have as much nostalgia wrapped up in it because it's more recent. But I like Moneyball was one of my favorite movies of like the 2010s. So even, you know, not even a sports movie, but it's up. I, I like Moneyball a lot. Um, I have a feeling you hate Moneyball. Love Moneyball. Moneyball is one of the. That five, doesn't check out for you because one, they're because of historical inaccuracies. Normally well, you're hounding movies for that. Because the movie's not about the baseball. Like you watch the movie. It's not really about the baseball. Like you have a couple of scenes with Hatterberg and. A couple, a case in point, and what made it brilliant was when they got eliminated from the playoffs, we didn't even see a play of that series. Just got the play-by-play call at the end of it because the director understood the point. It's not really about baseball. It's about numbers and analytics and how that's not just changing baseball, but also changing culture. And Billy Bean's daughter, of course. Oh, yes. I'm just a little bit caught in the middle of this maze. (laughs) That's still great. It's still, you know, I'm completely cool with that diatribe that was shoehorned into that movie just because of the last scene. Last scene. Yeah. Great in that movie. I'm cool with it. I'm with it. I'm with you. Uh, I love that part, that element of it. Yeah, well, you love Moneyball too, right? I'm not even going to say anything back to that <laughs> because I know I know better. <laughs> All right, yeah. so you know what your assignment is now. No, well, next week he's going to watch the other guys for the first time. Yeah, Sarah Bradford. Okay. Right. I don't even know if she's extended the invitation yet, but she wants. She hasn't seen that movie either. Is so. that the one that? Yeah, you could come over okay. and watch that movie with us if you'd like. I'd love to. I'd be honored. Have you seen the other guys, Darren Bot? Yeah, I saw it once early on when it came out. Um, enjoyed it. I, I don't really. I don't know that I've really I, – like, I didn't have a reason to not go back and rewatch it. Um, but yeah, it's not that, like, it. stuck in my mind. Why couldn't but you, I do remember enjoying it. Why couldn't you have shot A-Rod? Let's get to unusual questions for today. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions. With Josh Gray. If you have an unusual question to ask the group, really just your opportunity to ask anything. 336-777-1600. Unless you want to ask about Jimbo and Nick Saban. I'm done with that for today. I've had enough. He apologized. Let's move on. All right. I'll start things off. Waffles or pancakes? I 
I don't know that I have a definite answer to this. I do. I love them both. I, and I like French toast. French um, toast. Do you know what movie I referenced there? I'm going to need some bleeping French toast. No, what movie is that? That's Leslie Mann and 40-year-old virgin when Steve Carell gets in the car with uh, an obliteratedly drunk woman. I'm hungry. Right. I'm going to need some French toast. I, for whatever reason, I was thinking of Road Trip. You I know the we... scene in in Road Trip where the, the, the dorky dude? Yeah. Uh, they um, God, who is... Who is um, I don't know the uh, name. Of the the actor. actor Horatio um, SNL. Horatio Sands. Yes, he's the he's the line cook or the the whatever at the like the old school diner, and he like rubs his junk with the guy's French toast and sets it on. the I board. think we I got Joe Wild back in the day to say that on a Winston Salem Dash broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think need so. some French toast. Way back when. So you don't have a preference between the two. I I mean they each have their value. I'm not. Yeah, this isn't one where you're going to get a, a hot take out of me. Okay. I, I love both. Okay. You can let more one more than the other, though. I'm just saying. Will Dalton, what's your answer? Waffles. Same here. Easily. You got a receptacle for the syrup. I mean, that's enough of the answer right there. You got a re- it's it, There's a built-in receptacle. Come on now. Where you It holds the I've never syrup. heard somebody say receptacle and waffle. In the same sentence. Well, well perhaps you. So could have. here would be the <laughs> argument for a pancake, though. It yeah, it doesn't have, you know, there's no sort of receptacle shelf for the syrup, right? Mm-hmm. But it absorbs it. Mm, that is true. Nah, I don't it like holds it. it. I don't it like it. it. I don't like it being absorbed though. That makes me think I need more syrup on top. Oh, man. Is that a texture thing? Like when it gets soggy with the. The syrup? No, it's just I feel more pressure to put more syrup on top, even though I know I don't need it. And when you I, get the butter in there with it, waffle. when it sops in there with it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what's your unusual question, Darren? So I saw you guys were playing Super Smash Brothers. Um, That's right. And I also have seen this one sort of making its rounds on TikTok. If Kirby were to swallow you, and press down B, I think, as it is on the game, or maybe just down. No, it's down B. And he takes your powers, right? If if Kirby were to swallow you, what power does he get? Oh wow, the power that he gets. I think he becomes a an above average karaoke singer. I think that's it. So he becomes he'll Jigglypuff. Have, he'll have right? the microphone. Well, no, Jigglypuff. Is top notch, so not as good of a singer as Jigglypuff, but can <laughs> probably going to be performing Hinder. He becomes a suboptimal Jigglypuff. <laughs> That's it. I listened to some songs today and thought this is what Darren Bott's going to love. I, I heard some Olivia Rodrigo that Will played earlier today. She did this entire thing, a prom like run through her most recent album that was good on youtube and then there's this song by leah kate 10 things i hate about you that's right up darren bot's alley wanted to see if he knew about it 10 things i hate about you is the name of the song yeah very very avril lavigne like i'm i'm assuming inspired by the movie i don't know i don't think so 
It's not, but that is a good movie. I mean, not affiliated with the, the movie, yellow dress, yeah. the yellow dress with Kate Hudson and and, and and company. You're a big fan of that movie, aren't you, Will? No, that's ten. That's no, no, no. Hold on, you, you've got ten things I hate about you is Heath oh, Ledger and um, who else? What's her name? I don't know. Julie Stiles. Oh, I don't know that movie. You what? No, I don't know that movie. Do that one. That's like the best rom com ever. Oh, which, shut which up. movie again? Ten things I hate about you. Hmm. Heath Ledger is dreamy. Julia Stiles is great as she is in everything. I don't think it has anything to do with the movie. I don't think it's inspired by it either. But it's one that you should listen to. It's just coincidence that it's called the same thing? Correct. I don't buy that. But, no, that makes me want to go listen to it. I'll I'll go find it. There you go. Will Dalton, what would be your skill? Kirby. I mean, he would probably... uh... Become an uncultured wine drinker at a sports bar. <laughs> nah, see, uncultured with movies. I'm not uncultured across the board. John. No, you're not. You're you are cultured with your uh, alcohol preferences. I'll give you that. <laughs> he just follows LeBron's lead. That's what he does. It's a, it's a, I do not. It's a front. Yeah, he eats tacos every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, takes selfies while telling you that he's eating the tacos. Okay, what about you, Darren? Do you have an answer to your own question? I don't know that I do. It's kind of... I have no idea. I have no idea what Kirby gains when he swallows me. But I I, thought it was an interesting question. I think he turns into an impressionist where he could do... (laughs) Limited impersonations of of, everyone. Yes, limited impressions such as T-Pain. He is good at impressions. Yeah, let's let's hear T-Pain. Yay! Pretty good. (laughs) All right, what's your unusual question, Will? What is a snack food that has since been discontinued? You told me to look this up yesterday. If you ever want to really, like, get sucked into your phone, look up discontinued snack foods, discontinued, like, meals at McDonald's. Darren's doing it. He's getting his phone out right now. Like, I'm telling you... I was laying in bed one night at like 3 a.m., couldn't sleep, and I'm just scrolling through different – and it it's fascinating. Like, And it makes you feel kind of old, too. Well, how well, would up, you answer until... the question to get us started? Yeah, go ahead, Will. What's yours? <sighs> so I'm a big – So many. So many. <laughs> it is. It is. But I'm only allowed one around here. That's so, right. Because I get a little long-winded sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'm a big salt and vinegar chip guy. And there was a specific brand. I don't remember the brand itself, but it was like, it was called Thunder. Maybe that was the brand. And it was wavy chips, but it was a salt and vinegar wavy chip. And it just had a very distinct flavor that I've never been able to capture anywhere else. I thought you were going to hit me with like Surge, the soft drink or something like that. Or Vault. Vault, yeah. God, so, Vault is another one. I went one. to it. Dude, I went to. I, I, I got a quick aside on Vault. So my last name is Vaught. Yes. But I grew up in the hills, so people <laughs> I, don't know how to pronounce it, I and I'm often referred to as <laughs> Vault. Darren so Vault. I go to a high school football game at the high school that I graduated from. This was like a couple years. I was in college. It was like a couple years after I graduated. Vault is like the soft drink. So I go to the concession stand, and it's a, a woman I know because I graduated with her daughter. And uh, I ask her, hey, could I get a vault? And she loses her mind. She goes, it's a vault for a vault! 
outstanding. I have an answer to the question. Way back when. So, you guys like Pop-Tarts? Yeah, I love oh, Pop-Tarts. Yeah. You like the cookies and cream Pop-Tart? You guys yeah. a fan of that one? You, you're going to, you're about to, I know what you're about to say. Before cookies and cream, what what was the, the jam? Well, no. Oreo okay, actually used to try, they tried to take some of the game from Pop-Tarts. And they created their own type of Pop-Tart, but it was the Oreo brand of Pop-Tart. And they had a name, Cool Stuff, K-O-O-L <laughs> Stuff. It was Oreo, like the Oreo branded Pop-Tart. A lot better than the Pop-Tart Cookies and Cream because it's actually branded by Oreo. But it got discontinued. I remember I used to eat so many of those. They sent me like a free uh, float to put like in a pool. It said cool <laughs> stuff on it. Wait, but, did you like collect box stops? Oh, yeah. And send those in Absolutely. Absolutely I did that. Cool stuff. K-O-O-L stuff. If one person knows what I'm talking about, I'd be really happy. But cool stuff. Awesome. You remember Oreo Cakesters? No. Darren? Yeah, those those are still on shelves. I are think. They? I, yeah, not, yeah. I don't think they I've are. seen them. I've seen. All right. So, Josh, I thought you were going to go into the OG Pop-Tart flavor that was around before they even did cookies and cream. This is before cookies and cream was like a super popular thing and flavor in everything. It was chocolate vanilla cream Pop-Tarts. Wow. And it wasn't like a dark, dark colored chocolate like the Oreos. It was a lighter mm. chocolate with the cream in the, the pop tart it was money. Um up until a couple of years ago, Dunkaroos would be my answer to this question. But, Darren Vaught, the music stopped you know. playing, so I gotta say bye to you. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You got a you got a show to do. Go ahead. You guys see, see you guys buddy. have fun. 